Can you believe <clears throat> that we're already opening up the Bible and looking at the Christmas story this morning? Are you ready for Christmas? No. no. I'm like, how did it get, Robin and I were talking, how did it get to be December? How did it, it just, you know, <clears throat> especially if you've been around a few Christmases, they just seem to come faster and faster and faster together, don't they? The more gray hair you get, the faster they all roll towards us. And so, uh, amen, amen. <laughs> so, uh, if you know, you know. So, uh, you know, I, uh, like everybody else, you started watching the Black Friday sales here a while back because Robin and I uh, have enjoyed the same television for about 12 years now. And uh, it is, uh, it's a 70-inch it's a television, and we, we bought it. When we, my philosophy is when you've when you you got to get one, buy the very best thing you can get because it's going to be a while before we do this again, right? And so uh, now, though, that television, uh, when you turn it on, uh, sometimes it stays on and sometimes it just decides it's going to go off. Uh, the picture has a big black bar, dark spot here, and one down here. And, you know, we kind of watch TV like this, you know, to, to, to see the picture and everything. So anyway, we decided we're going to start looking. So we started watching the ads like everybody else. <clears throat> been to the stores, you know, been, been talking to the people and trying to find the best deal that we can. And, uh, and of course, while I'm looking at televisions, then I started thinking, well, what am I going to get this this child what am I get this grandchild what am I going to do all my shot everything starts getting in my mind about Christmas uh, which is probably what we all do now the bad thing is at the same time that I'm doing that I'm I'm working on three sermons for Christmas uh, to focus on Jesus Christ and uh, I have to sadly admit that <clears throat> my, uh, my, my, my priority of time uh, for a while was uh, perhaps out of balance because I was, the lady at Best Buy knows me by a first name basis now because I have asked her a lot of questions about a QLED or no LED or a UK4, whatever it is, and, you know, she's been filling me in on all that. Um, and uh, I don't, I don't in, in remiss, I don't think I really talked to her ever about what I do for a living and <clears throat> probably because... <clears throat> the first time she told me the price that came out, a mild, dirty word might have come out of my mouth. So I, you know, I didn't want to, I didn't want to witness that way. So, um, <laughs> but it struck me as to how we can go through the entire Thanksgiving season and Christmas season and simply miss it, you know, because and and not because we're doing bad things. Don't get me wrong, not because we're doing bad things. The demand during this season specifically for our money and for our attention uh, will be stronger over the next four weeks from the world than perhaps any time ever that we're, that we're walking out there uh, just, just doing our thing. And while we would all hope that um, the Christmas season would focus our attention on Christ and all that he represents, the prince of this world, who we talked a whole seven weeks about, the armor of God, how he comes at us, where does he do that? He does it in our minds and he does it in subtle ways. And I'm not continuing that, it's just a reality of the life that we're living. And so I want to draw our attention this morning, uh, just if you want to open your Bibles to Luke chapter 2, it's the traditional reading of the Christmas story. We're just going to read the first seven verses here. And I just want to stop because it just, it just, uh, this particular item and, and vignette right at the beginning of the Christmas story uh, surrounding the birth of Christ shows us uh, how easily our minds can get messed up and we can focus on everything else except for Jesus. And so I'm going to read verses, um, let's see, let's read verses 1 through 7. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. 
And this was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn. <clears throat> she wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. She wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for him in the inn. <clears throat> this verse explicitly talks about a lonely birth. There's no midwives. There's no assistance for Mary, this young girl, at all. The Bible doesn't even mention that Joseph was present. Now, perhaps he was, but if he's typical of all first-time fathers, he would have been of very little help to Mary. <laughs> um, she was basically on her own. And that birth was far from typical, you need to know. Sometimes we think, well, that's just the way it was in ancient uh, Israel that, uh, in, in history of the world at that point in time, that that's the way births happen. But that's not true. I mean, these people were uh, cultured and educated in ways that we often don't give them credit for. They're civilized, they're intelligent, and it would have been highly unusual, as a matter of fact, for a young woman about to give birth to be turned away from an inn and to give birth alone in a stable. Remember, hospitality was a, just a, a high value in the culture of the people of that time. Now, <clears throat> when we look at that, it just struck me that the innkeeper, who is not mentioned by name, as a matter of fact, what does that say? It just says there was no room for them in the inn. That's the entire storyline that we get about this man. He literally had Christmas happening out his back door, but he missed it. Mary brought forth the child. She wrapped him in swaddling clothes. She laid him in the manger where usually a midwife would be there to clean the baby and wrap him. There was no one, so Mary did everything on her own where usually there would have been a cradle or a basket of some kind for that child. That little boy was wrapped in those swaddling clothes and laid in what essentially was a feeding trough. C. Campbell Morgan wrote, Think of the pathos of it. She brought forth. She wrapped him in swaddling clothes. It's very beautiful, but oh, the pity of it, he says, the tragedy of it, the loneliness of it, that in that hour of all hours, when womanhood should be surrounded by the tenderest care, she was alone. The method of the writer is very distinct. She, with her own hands, wrapped the baby round with those swaddling clothes and laid him in the manger, and there was no one to do it for her. And again, he says, the pity of it, and that yet the glory of it to the heart of Mary. Now, again, the, the, men, the innkeeper specifically, he's not mentioned by name at all. In fact, right, Scripture isn't even clear about what kind of inn we're talking about. The Greek word inn is kataluma, and that could mean guest room or hostel that we, we might know it as, or simply shelter. So that inn that we speak of could have been anything from a full-fledged precursor to the modern-day bed and breakfast, uh, or it could have been as simple as a lean-to on the man's property that 
would shelter both man and animal alike. Scripture doesn't give us any clue beyond that single mention of the inn. But in any case, whatever hospitality Joseph and Mary sought, it was unavailable to them. They were turned away. So this year, if you are searching for Christmas, this is what we titled this little three-week series, be careful lest you miss it because that's easier than you think. It's easier than you think. Why did he miss it? Well, first off, he missed it because he was preoccupied. His inn or his guest room or lean-to shelter was full. Uh, the census was going on. Bethlehem, when the city of David, was packed out with all the people that by law had to come there and register in the town in which they were born. So the city is bulging. Uh, the inns are all crowded out. The innkeeper is busy. We all get busy. And it's not a bad thing if we keep in mind what our lives as Christ followers are truly all about. There wasn't any indication that he was hostile or even unsympathetic. He was just busy. And are we not the same so many times? The world is full of people uh, indifferent, really, to the things of, of Christ, the things of the church. Their lives are busy. They go about their daily routines, and they simply don't know Jesus or don't care to know about Jesus. And in that clutter of activity, a lot of preoccupied people simply miss the Son of God. He was making money. It was big business, like I mentioned. The city's full. You know, if they did a market study in Bethlehem at that time about the economic impact of the census, uh, they would have found out that everybody made money off of that. He could rent every room out and get top dollar for it, and so you know he had done that. And, uh, but, but, but at what price? At what price? This guy who's mentioned only one time and then disappears from the pages of eternity... He's, he's famous in his anonymity, actually. Like millions of people today, our lives are consumed with activity, not necessarily sinful activity, but things that keep us busy. At Christmas time, people are always busy shopping, uh, banquets, parties, concerts, school activities, and all other kinds of things compete for your attention. Listen, as a grandfather, uh, we've already been to three concerts for grandchildren. Uh, we have one this coming Tuesday, this coming Thursday, next Sunday afternoon, and one on Monday night. Four in the next eight days. And God bless my grandchildren, I love them. <clears throat> and I will be at every one of them. Hopefully smiling the whole time. <laughs> Papa and Grammy love to see them grandchildren, you know. Uh, but it can be tiring, <clears throat> especially for an older person. Then there's the social gatherings, the work parties, the church get-togethers. And in our small town where we live, we, we, we've already been to the Jingle Mingle, which was the small business Saturday. We'll have a citywide concert. We'll have the tree lighting in the park and the special Christmas time story at the library that I know the city librarian will make sure happens. That's my wife, if you don't know. Um, and in all that clutter, we'll be busy. We'll be doing things that are important. But none of that actually can keep my mind on the things of Christ. It's just doing things that we want to do that are important to us. Seeing the grandchildren, about the most important thing I can do. Just want to clarify that since my granddaughter, one of them sitting in the room here waiting to see what I say. 
But you can just be busy. What, the innkeeper was busy with other things. He was too busy with life. And that's a cautionary tale for us. He was busy caring for his guests and whatever other things the innkeeper does inside of there. I mean, he was preoccupied with dirty dishes and mud on the floor and, quite frankly, animal manure that had to be swept out of the doorway so that people could come in his place. He had a rich customer upstairs that was demanding a clean robe and more blankets and another wineskin. He was just busy taking care of business. He wasn't an evil man. He wasn't unloving. He wasn't angry or belligerent. I don't think he was even indifferent. He was just caught up in everything that life throws at us every day and again i submit to you that all of us are in that very danger all of the time busy doing things that we know matters but without a priority of time with god without a priority of time as we say in here always reading your word it all can slip away he had business to take care of his family was a priority to him he wanted to provide for them he wanted to spend time with them does that sound familiar he just couldn't take time to bother with this poor family because he had other things to do. Frederick Bruckner wrote from the innkeeper's perspective. This is the innkeeper speaking. I speak to you as men of the world, not as idealists, but as realists. Do you know what it's like to run an inn, to run a business, a family, to run anything in the world for that matter, even your own life? Well, it's like being lost in a forest of a million trees and every tree is the thing to be done is there fresh linen on the beds did the children put on their coats before they went out has the letter been written has the book been read is there enough money left in the bank to pay this bill today we have food in our bellies but what about tomorrow there's a million trees a million things and finally we have eyes for nothing else and whatever we see turns into a thing there are far too many people living just like that in god's church their rooms are filled with busy things interests and hobbies and work and they can miss the christ of christmas if the innkeeper had known he had a king outside that he had god in his stable we can be sure that he would have told the rich customers he would have gone out there he would have made his presence known he would have introduced himself he would have made sure that they were taken care of what happens is that when we serve the world instead of, the, of searching for Christ, we end up making everything else a God before him. Idols spoken of in the word, especially in the Old Testament, we have this idea of a stone image, of something that people bow down before and that's the way we think of it idols in our world today can be anything that moves our attention away from christ for the most part today the world doesn't know who jesus is or the hope that he holds for the lost world we are even though we are all here gathered together here this morning we are in the minority in this day and age those who know jesus christ statistics tell us that this is one of the most difficult times of the year for people that don't know him it's it's hard enough for those that do but we have more people more vulnerable to suicide during this time of year than any other depression is heightened during the holidays 
And it's easy for the rest of the busy world to ignore people and friends and business associates, widows and widowers, single parents, fractured families. They're all around us. They're a part of who we are. And if we simply focus on the ho-ho, instead of looking around with the eyes of Jesus, we're in danger of looking like the rest of the world. You have a decision to make this day and every day. You have a decision today to make about your relationship with Almighty God. Jesus demands an answer from us every day. Do you know that? He paid a price for us. Even his shedding of the robes. Can you imagine the day in heaven when God the Father and Jesus the Son and the Holy Spirit stood there and Jesus rose from his throne and took off the robes of glory that enveloped him and in that moment descended and became this infant child completely helpless completely dependent upon his mother no different than any baby that has ever been born into this world and the sacrifice that our Savior was making on our behalf. He demands an answer from us on whether or not not only He will be your Savior, which I believe many of us come to easily. We understand the basic gospel of Jesus Christ that He, that God created us, that sin separated us, that sin can't be overcome by anything that we do that a price had to be paid and that jesus came to this earth to to pay that price and we can accept jesus christ as our savior but to go beyond that and make him the lord of our lives that requires a daily decision it's not once and done you you don't just you know if you if you if you get over here and you make that decision to accept christ as your savior and you never move from that spot you miss out on everything that god has planned for you in so many ways oh yes we believe in our church we believe wholeheartedly that when we accept jesus christ as our lord and savior we are sealed by the holy spirit we will stand in the presence of god one day but god wants so much more for us in this life that we're living God wants us to be on this journey with him and every day we rise up and we make a decision and say am I am I going to live my life for Jesus Christ today we say here reach teach live love like Jesus but do we really mean that we have a decision Jesus wants an answer from us every day you probably don't like thinking about it that way I don't get up in the morning and all of a sudden imagine myself standing before my Lord and my Savior and he says well what's it going to be this day Brad are you busy you got other things to do your grandchildren are calling you your job is calling you your friends are calling you what about me Brad in our busyness we decide in our search for meaning in the world we make a decision in the use of our time and our talent and our treasure we give Jesus his answer. On this day and every day, who will you love and who will you serve? How tragic 
would it be to live an entire life focusing on mundane, meaningless things and look back at the end of life and realize you wasted it? I want you to know when we stand before God Almighty, all believers will stand before Jesus is going to be standing there beside him and, and we're going to walk up there and God will be ready to judge and I know my, my Savior, my advocate, he'll be standing there and say, hey Dad, this one belongs to me. And that's awesome and I love that thought. Oh, do I love that thought. But then we move from that over to the book of deeds and when that gets opened up and all of the things I've done in my life that were motivated by my human spirit, everything that, every plaque that I ever earned Every, every recognition that I ever received in my workplace, everything that I ever did that was motivated by my personal human spirit, the Bible tells me it's going to be burn up. Burn up as if it ever existed. My entire life, you think about that, people live their whole lives chasing after the things of the world. I've been there, I've done it until I was 40 years old. Man, I, I, wanted, I was conquering the world. And you know, when I get to heaven, almost everything that I did before I was 40 years old, I know is going in that fire. But everything that we do that is motivated by the Holy Spirit in our lives because we wake up of a morning and when, when we recognize that Jesus is standing and saying, what are you going to do with me today? And we say, yes, Lord, yes. And we live our lives that way. That's going to be in that book. And the crown of life and the crown of joy and the crown of righteousness, those crowns that are spoken of in the word of God, those will be awarded on that day. How tragic would it be? Think about your life this morning. Already, if you're like our household, the planning of the Christmas dinners, the gifts that will be given, the relatives that we'll put up with, <laughs> and the Christmas bonuses are in danger of occupying our minds more than Jesus himself. Will you spend more time shopping and decorating and baking than you do loving and serving other people around you? Will you spend more money on stuff than you will be investing in God's kingdom? Will you give more of your time and energy to the busy pursuits of life than in building your relationship with Christ? The innkeeper missed Christmas. Let's us don't miss it. Sometimes God knocks on our doors and he asks, is there room in the end? And sometimes we look out and we really don't like what we see. An imposition on our time. A sacrifice of our resources. A request for the use of the gifts that God has given to all of us. And we close the door and say, there's no room there's no room in your search for Christmas this year my prayer is that you find him and as scripture says everything else that we need will be added unto us would you pray with me Lord we thank you for your word and we thank you more than that even Lord for the sacrifice that you made for us shedding those robes in glory descending in a state of humiliation Lord to become as that infant child Lord all with us in mind all with us 
on your heart that you would die for us that you would sacrifice for us Lord this morning I, I know that it's convicting to me but I'm just reminded that the world is going to seek my attention the, the opportunities that the great marketers of this world will put in front of me to how to spend my time how to spend my money how to how to do things is is extremely tempting without us even realizing what's happening unless we are intentional lord so i pray that we will seek you first in jesus name amen this morning i'm going to ask the communion service to come forward and to begin dispersing the elements but i want to read a prayer to you this morning it's found in john chapter 17 it's when jesus himself is sitting with his disciples and he's been praying and talking to them in the upper room but he says in verse 20 after he's prayed for the disciples he thinks then about you and me there's an old song that talks about when jesus was on the cross he was thinking about you my prayer is not for them alone he says I pray also for those who believe in me through their message that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, through the, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Jesus praying for you and me that we would know him and that we would be in communion with him in our lives it's a glorious thought to understand that that Jesus who hovered over the earth created everything you and I enjoy looked out into the future and said I'm going to make it possible for them to know what I know see what I see and live eternally with my father the way that I am after he had prayed in that upper room the events unfolded in the week of the passion and we came to this upper room where Jesus knowing what was going to happen decided it was time and shared instead of the Passover with the bitter herbs and the things that had been there he himself being the Passover lamb 
when the hour came and they were reclining at the table, he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. I'm always struck by that. I've said it, I don't know how many times over the years here at Crossroads. To think that Jesus Christ would eagerly look forward to what he was going through is beyond me. I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer, for I tell you I won't eat of it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. And after taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you, for I tell you I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, he gave thanks, and broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And so we take and we eat. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. And they took and they drank. Father God, we come before you knowing that we do nothing of our own to deserve the opportunity to commune with you, that we do nothing of our own, Lord, that warrants our presence at your table, and yet you say, come. And you say, do this in remembrance with me. And Lord, I pray that every day when we rise up, we would envision you standing in front of us, asking that question, what should you do with me today? And that we would respond, Lord. We would be your people. We would rise up with great joy in our hearts, recognizing that you've taken care of eternity for us, and Lord, you've made it possible then for us to live lives here that bring glory and honor and hope in your name. I pray that we would not be that innkeeper, Lord. I pray that we won't miss while we search for Christmas. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.